Welcome to the debut episode of Left Coast Sports with John Schaefer. Thanks for listening. And before we get started, please give us a follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this brand new podcast on. Also, if you want to connect on social media, I'm on Twitter at John Schaefer. That's J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R, again, at John Schaefer. And over these next handful of weeks leading up to Selection Sunday, we're going to focus on the men's basketball programs throughout the state of California, battling for a berth in this year's NCAA tournament, which is going to be held entirely in the state of Indiana this March. This week on the debut episode, we take a look at the San Diego State Aztecs, one of the winningest programs in California over the last two decades. And coming up on this episode, we'll talk with Aztecs assistant coach Dave Velasquez about San Diego State's tournament history and about this team's prospects in 2021. Up until the turn of the century, San Diego State was one of the least successful programs in the country, but that all changed when Steve Fisher and his top assistant Brian Dutcher arrived on the Mesa prior to the 1999-2000 season. Fisher had a winning pedigree. He captured the 1989 National Championship while serving as interim head coach at Michigan and later took the Fab Five to back-to-back National Championship games in the 1990s. With a new arena on campus for San Diego State, the Aztecs basketball program was on a winning path. By Steve Fisher's third year at San Diego State, the Aztecs were in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1985. In 2011, San Diego State won their first ever NCAA tournament game and reached their first Sweet 16 led by Kawhi Leonard. You might know the name. In 2014, another trip to the Sweet 16. Brian Dutcher took over after Steve Fisher's retirement in 2017 and took the Aztecs to the NCAA tournament in his very first season. Then there was last season. Last season might have been the best in the 100-year history of the Aztecs men's basketball program. A 26-0 start, a 30-2 overall record, and a potential number one or number two seed in the NCAA tournament. However, the Aztecs never got to prove themselves in March Madness because of the cancellation of the tournament due to the pandemic. Most believe San Diego State could have made their deepest run in school history and possibly even reached a Final Four. Brian Dutcher was named the USA Today National Coach of the Year at season's end. Since Brian Dutcher stepped on campus in 1999, San Diego State has reached the NCAA tournament nine times, and that doesn't include last season's historic 30-2 year. This year's team is a veteran group that's motivated to complete the unfinished business of last year's remarkable year. Seniors Matt Mitchell and Jordan Shackler are both in their fourth seasons with the program and reached the NCAA tournament as freshmen. However, the Aztecs have recently had to deal with some adversity due to injury, with Mitchell currently sidelined for a couple of weeks with a hyperextended knee and a bone bruise. It's a significant loss for SDSU, as not only was Mitchell the team's leading scorer, but he's also one of the team leaders and one of the heart and soul guys on the team. The good news for Brian Dutcher and his staff is that San Diego State has depth and a lot of experience. In addition to Mitchell and Shackle, the Aztecs have senior guards in junior college transfer Trey Pulliam and two fifth-year seniors in Terrell Gomez, one of the best shooters in the nation, and Josh Tomayich, a versatile big man that transferred in from the University of Maryland. They also have a trio of impactful juniors in Nathan Mensa, one of the premier centers on the West Coast, and Aguka Rope, a Swiss Army-type player because he can play and guard multiple positions, and Adam Seiko, a skilled defender and three-point shooter. The Aztecs were picked in the preseason poll to win the Mountain West. In this week's debut episode of Left Coast Sports, I catch up with Aztecs assistant coach Dave Velasquez. Coach Velasquez has been a part of the Aztecs program for nearly two decades, first as a player and manager, then as the director of player development, and more recently as an assistant coach. What has allowed San Diego State to sustain unparalleled success in the state of California over the last two decades? Here's my conversation with Coach Velasquez. 
All right, Coach, I want to start here. Over the last two decades, all your success at San Diego State, is there a formula or a secret sauce that has allowed San Diego State to do what they've been able to do over the last two decades? You know, I, I wish I could tell you some secret sauce <laughs> and, and give you some insider information. But to be honest with you, what's, what's made San Diego State what it's become is the people. And we've done a great job starting with Coach Fisher and his loyalty to the staff on understanding that the players – are, they got to be good people, and they have to be great young men. And we've been very fortunate to have just outstanding players but also outstanding people for the past two decades. And that starts with who, who their parents are, who their coaches have been. We look into all that kind of stuff. What's, you know, what's the, this player's background? You know, where does he come from? Who, who's he been raised by? You know, what, how much coaching has he had? And I think a lot of it, so our secret sauce really is just really doing our homework on what type of players to bring in here. And then also when we have to hire from you know, what we call outside the family, whether it be an assistant or, or sometimes even look at grad assistant, we want to make sure that whoever bring, we bring into our family is just an outstanding person and, a, and someone that could really help us with, in terms of helping these young men become better people. You know, you mentioned Steve Fisher, and of course you coached under Coach Fisher and now Brian Dutcher. These are two of the most highly regarded coaches in the profession. So, you know, in your opinion, how do they differ stylistically and, and what's comparable about the two coaches? You know, when you mention them in terms of just their, their national landscape, you know, the reason why they're so revered is, is because of, of who they are as, as people. You know, they're not, they're not ego-driven. You know, they're not here to, to, for all, any of the wrong reasons. They've been doing it a very long time. They don't, they don't ride the roller coaster like you see a lot of other coaches. When they lose, they're down in the dumps. When they win, everything's so great. You know, everybody's awesome. And to have just their mentality, their consistency in terms of what's important is what makes them so comparable. As And it really starts with who they are as people, you know, away from the basketball floor, around their families, around their friends. Um, and then, you know, what makes them different is who they are. You know, Coach Fisher is, you know, he's, he's such a calm, you know, he doesn't laugh out loud. He's not going to be the loudest voice in the room. He kind of commands respect by who he is and how he carries himself. And Coach Dutcher commands respect in a whole different way. But Coach Dutcher, at, at times, I think he was voted the class clown in high school. <laughs> you know, and he's always the guy who, who keeps things lighthearted. He's always the guy. And our guys, our guys respect Coach Dutcher so much just because of the consistency of who he is. You know, he knows when to – joke around and he knows when there's time to be very dead serious and and get on our guys and he gets on them for the right reasons he doesn't just jump them just to jump them like you see coaches do and it's for me even as a young coach there's times where I look back and I was why was I so mad there hmm. you know you don't see that a lot out of coach Dutcher and it's uh they're they're obviously their differences are, are is what made them so dynamic as a duo if you will since 1989 to 2017 they worked every single day together coach Fisher and coach Dutcher and it's been it was really fun and cool for me to see as a young, you know, young kid. That's what I felt like when I got here when I was 18 years old. And it's amazing to see how it feels when you're 37 now and, and to see the, the growth of this program. It's, it's been outstanding to be around Dutch and Fish every day. What is it like as a player? Because you played in this program. What's it like as a player when you know that there's a level of continuity and that the staff, by and large, will remain in place year in and year out from the time you're a freshman until maybe a fourth or fifth year in the program? You know, a lot of it comes down to, John, is this, you know, the, the, the pride that you'll have in, in knowing that there'll be continuity and knowing that you see, you know, when you're a freshman and you're getting led by the seniors, 
And then when you're a senior and you have the ability to lead a freshman, but what I don't think people understand is how cool it is when you're a senior. And when you were a freshman and that senior was yelling at you and now you're a senior, but then when you're working out in the summer, the same guy that was, you know, that was kind of on you or maybe beating you up a little bit in practice, that's now your like closest friend, you know, and I, I think there's a lot of pride to it. And, you know, I, yes, it's just a saying on Twitter or social media, or whatever you want to say, where it says Aztec for life. But I, I really do think here is one of the very, very few places that you could truly say when you leave this program, you truly are an Aztec for life. And, and I'm fortunate enough to say I meet, you know, along with Coach Dutcher and Coach Fisher and Matt Sawyer and Mark Fisher who are both on staff. I mean, we truly are Aztec for life. And it, it means so much more than just wearing a, a logo on our chest when you wear the San Diego State logo. It's who we are as people. It's how people identify me. Oh, that's that's Dave Velasquez. That's the San Diego State coach, isn't it? Yeah. How long has he been there? You know, so hmm. it's uh, it's one of those things that you know we take a lot of pride in, and I know our former players do in being a, being an Aztec for life. I know you take a lot of pride also in the environment in normal years before the pandemic with what goes on at Viejas Arena. Do you feel like San Diego State is somewhat unique in being in such a large city without an NBA franchise and to receive really NBA support? What has that been like to watch the growth of the program and the fan base from your seat? It's probably the most talked about, but not the most appreciated in terms of what the value it brings to our program. When I recruit, when I've heard Coach Fisher recruit, everything was about the show, the crowd, Mm -hmm. the the support. We talk about what you just said in recruiting. There is no other NBA team. The closest we got are the Lakers and Clippers. We are the main show in San Diego. We are the biggest show south of really – Orange County, really. I mean, we are we are the number one attraction when it comes to sports. And with that, you know, when Coach Issue say all the time, with rank comes responsibility. And we have a responsibility to that crowd, to our fan base, to the alumni of San Diego State, to our university as a whole, to, to be, something, be something that they could be really proud of. And to me, that's, that's something we, we don't take lightly. We talk about it with our guys all the time. I, I think it's why you don't you know, besides you can maybe name a, a few exceptions to this rule, but every single game we go out, we play hard. And it doesn't matter if we're playing the number one team in the country. It doesn't matter if we're playing a team that what we call by games, you know, where you're playing these teams or you're paying them to come to Viejas. When we go out there, we know we got to put on the show. No pun intended. Like, we expect to put on a show because that's what people are there for. That's where we have so much support. And we do not take it for granted the amount of support and resources we have. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with what you said, that the, the, who we are in town in, in uh, not, I don't even think it's arguably the best city in the United States is San Diego has the best climate, has the best places to live. It has the best beaches. It's to me, this city is the best city in the United States. And, and for us to have the amount of, you know, like I said, support, I, I think it's something you can't, you, you can never give enough respect to, and the one way we can give enough respect is to go out there and play hard and put on a show every night. Now, you talked about the success you've had in recruiting, and we know, like you said, about the, the beauty of San Diego, one of the great cities, not just in this country, but in the world. And then you look at what you've done in the transfer market over the years, but also recently. You know, Malachi Flynn and Yanni Wetzel, K.J. Fagan, this year, Terrell Gomez, Josh Tomajic. What is it about this program that brings in players that want to finish careers here? It was a couple things. You know, I, I, a lot of times, especially if you're talking about transfers, you know, they've already been kind of through what they thought was important 
and now they're starting to say, okay, what's really important? And a lot of the time it's winning. You know, you're, you're talking about let's, let's just use Malachi Flynn as an example. Completely different than Joshua Tamayas from Maryland. Malachi Flynn led the Pac-12 in minutes. He was top five in shots. He wasn't leaving Washington State because he was unhappy with his role. What Malachi Flynn was unhappy with was, win, was not winning. So he knew, and that's why it came down to us and Creighton, because he knew year in and year out San Diego State was going to have a team that could go to the NCAA tournament and play in March. And not, not just play in March, but then you, you go and take the second piece. How do we play? And we fit, we fit so many different types of players because, one, we're very versatile on the defensive end of the floor. We allow them to switch on to point guards if you're big. If you're a point guard, we teach you how to navigate ball screens if you really want to play in the NBA, which obviously a guy like Malachi Flynn and K.J. Fagan wanted to do. Two guys who came from programs who never really defended at, an, at anywhere near a, a good level, let alone elite, where we like to consider ourselves on the defensive end of the floor. And then if you talk about other players, you know, we talked about with Joshua, you know, he barely played it. He played decent minutes years, some years at Maryland, but he never really got the opportunity to play. And with Joshua and, and even Yanni Wetzel, who wasn't playing a lot of Vanderbilt, they not only wanted to, to, to win, but they wanted to be put in a position where they could really play with freedom. So you talk about with them, it's, you know, they're coming from places that kind of, what players like to say, they put shackles on your game or, or it feels like you're handcuffed to doing you know, just what the coaches say and not being able to take a deep breath and play. I think the number one thing that we have in this program, and it might be overused by now to, to people that really follow this program, but the freedom within framework is so important and it's why our players play with so much confidence. And in, in a lot of that, and in, in a lot of that comes from just that line, freedom within framework. You know, we're not going to go out there acting all crazy, but what we are going to do is we're going to let you play your game and we're not going to be able to look over to the bench every time you might take a bad shot or miss a shot. We're not going to be on you every single time. We're going to let you play with freedom and play relaxed and play with confidence. And then the third thing I always talk about in recruiting is if you're going to be a grad transfer, why, why, why wouldn't you do it in San Diego? <laughs> like, I, I can't think of a single reason why not to come. If you could pick, Remember, this is your last year that you can truly say in your lifetime, I can choose anywhere to live and you're not going to choose San Diego? I, I, it's, it's hard for me to think of a reason why you wouldn't do that because from here on out, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to live in San Diego my last year. I'm going to play in front of the best, one of the best crowds in the country. I'm going to play with her head coach who's not going to you know, be sparking and screaming at me every single play. I'm going to have an awesome time when I'm working out in the practice facility. And so for me, those, those kind of three things kind of sum it up in terms of what we preach, what we talk about in recruiting. It's a great closing pitch. As you know, Coach, obviously last year was a special year. I mean, there's only so many teams in the country that have any 30-2 and two seasons, and that's what San Diego State had a season ago. Is it fair or unfair to make any comparisons Like as you move forward from 2020 to 2021? Is, is last year left in the past, or, or are there some comparisons between these two teams? Uh, no, I don't, think that, I don't think there's any comparisons to be had. I think what you have is you have a little bit of continuity from those winning years. You know, I think that's the number one thing is, if you've been around winning, you've been a part of a winning team, you know what it takes to win. You know the importance of the details. You understand how um, you know, focused you need to be on a scouting report, how fun it is when you're out there and you're playing and you know what that guy's tendencies are and you might be able to catch his move and take a charge. or You, know, you, you can really frustrate the other team. I think when you're a part of that and you see the importance of it, I, I think that really kind of carries over from year to year. 
But to be honest with you, I mean, we've had three 30-win-plus seasons here, 30-win-plus, which is just crazy to say since 2011. And there's a there's a lot of a lot left to be desired, to be honest. I mean, 30, 30 wins was great last year, 31 and 14, 34 in 2011. But, you know, let's go to 2011. John, all we talk about is the Kimba game. We lost that game. Mm-hmm. We didn't go to the Final Four. That was Sweet 16 Kawhi's last year. You know, we go to Xavier's year. All we talk about is the Arizona game. Same place, same result. Didn't get past that number. So as a coach, as a program, for all our former players, current players, future players, we want to go to a Final Four, and that's not – that's not just, you know, what, what they say coach speak. That's just not re- a recruiting pitch. I think you've been around our program enough to say, well, why not? It's, there really is not a lot of why not. Why, why, why not? Last year we were good enough. If given the opportunity to play in March, that was about as good of a team that we've had. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be the best team we ever have. That's not how I work. That's not how Coach Dutcher works. It's not how any of our assistants work. We expect to go to a Final Four, and we, we preach it every day to our team. Uh, and we expect to win a lot more Mount West championships. But – at the end of the day, until we're there, you know, as the last team standing, cutting down nets in April, not March, April, that then we'll say, okay, wow, we've, we've really accomplished all our goals. You know, it's interesting you say that. I, I like to say a year ago regarding the Aztecs that there wasn't a team in the nation that was better suited for the tournament than San Diego State, and that's no guarantee. I mean, a couple of years ago, Virginia bows out in the first round. A year later, they win the NCAA tournament. We understand matchups can be everything. We understand the uncertainty of that tournament, but you had to feel good about your prospects if that tournament a year ago was played, especially with the chances of getting Nathan Mensah back, right? Yeah, I felt, feel really good, but I think the – I think, uh, you know, again, being being lucky and fortunate enough to go to, you know, a lot of NCAA tournaments, it's it's all matchups. Yep. And, and and with us, you know, I don't know exactly like what we really would have struggled with, to be honest. You know, I felt like we had, you know, we, you know, we beat a really guard heavy team in Creighton, who was outstanding. We beat them by twenty something, maybe even thirty. And we played Iowa the next night, who's completely different. They have Luca Garza, who's still now. You know, one of he might go down as one of the best Big Ten players of all time, where they're pounded in a side when we beat them too. You know, it wasn't like you know we, we. I don't know really what that team would have ran into, which would have been a matchup problem. But again, it's March. What we ran into with Houston and that and that guard Gray with the with the man bun, if you yep. remember. Oh yeah. We ran into the, the to, to the to the March darling. You know, we, who who would have known that kid was going to have that type of night? He did it the next night. I can tell you that much. How much of it was us? How much of it was him? I don't know. But uh, it's one of those things with, with March. It comes it comes down to matchups because every team's good. If you're in that tournament, you're really, really, really good. So it really comes down to matchups. And, you know, I was excited to, uh, you know, the thing that will hurt me for a, a long time, and I'll never, it's not just our, you know, again, the players and everything we went through with them when, when they didn't get the chance to play. But to be honest, when you have a guy like Kawhi Leonard, when you have a guy like Xavier Thames, you have a guy like Malachi Flynn. When and you know, John, I'm not. The, uh, this is not biased to say. I mean, they're, that those are some of the. That's some of the best. That's like a Mount Rushmore San Diego State players. Remember what Xavier Thames did in the tournament? He was unbelievable mm-hmm. for two games. What he did to Arizona, he was the only way we could score versus Arizona. Was just Xavier on a ball screen. Kawhi Leonard throughout that tournament, what he did to Temple, I mean, just phenomenal. What what Kawhi did. We were about to have. We were about to have another one with Malachi in March, and that was the whole reason he came to San Diego State. He sat out a year. It was it was the it was the win of Malachem. Don't get me wrong. He was the play in March though, and he had done so much to get to that point. And he was coming off arguably his worst game of the season, three for fifteen versus Utah State in that championship game when he just ran out of legs. I was so excited to see what that kid was about to do 
to, you know, and put the, the stage he was about to be on in the show he was about to do, perform in front of everybody, and everybody was going to know. He was going to be a household name, in my opinion, when that tournament was over because of how good he was going to play. You know, I'll say this about the Utah State game as well. I mean, he was 3 for 15, but remember that little 14-footer to give you a lead? I think oh, sure. right late with about a minute to play. And then he, I mean, you watch that half-court heave, and they've showed it on CBS over parts of the last week with your series uh, on the road here. And it's remarkable that ball didn't go in. I mean, I, I watched that play, and it's like, how did that not go in? Uh, just a special player. You, you know, yeah. it, this is probably unfair as well, Coach. This is like asking a parent to say which child do they like the most. But you had the 2011 <laughs> Sweet 16 team and the 2014 Sweet 16 team and 2020. If you put these teams against each other, is there one that would beat another more than the other? No, I don't know. That's, <laughs> I, I have a lot of people asking those questions. I I truly don't know, and, and I, you know, the 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 fun part for me is every year was different. You know, in 2011, you know, I kind of like I, you know, I remember hosting Billy White with Lorenzo Wade during his recruiting visit. You know, I remember you know Malcolm Thomas when he came. I, so I was kind of a, if you would say, you know, a kid when those guys first got here. You know, and and I know when I graduated in 07, so in 11, I was pretty like much a still part of like kind of the I was on staff, and I was obviously not out, you know, at, at, on the town with them like I was with my college, mm-hmm. you know, teammates. But I was still more like towards their kind of, you know, in the locker room. I, I was able to joke with Kawhi, and I wasn't like, you know, adults would walk in, and Kawhi would just shut off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I was still part of like kind of a, what they would, you know, a player, if you will, uh, that trusted like friend. And then you go to 2014 with that team, John, with me, you know, that was when I was really starting to coach, and I'll never forget Xavier and I had so many behind-the-scenes battles just because it was, you know, the first time where I had really had a, a massive voice in terms of what we were trying to do on the floor, working guys out every day, being, you know, an assistant. And then you go towards 2020, and not only do I have a, a crazy responsibility with our, the rest of our staff in Dutch to, to coach this team every day, but I recruited or was a part of the recruitment of almost all of them especially the, the, some of those older guys in terms of Malachi and Yanni, where <clears throat> I was sitting on their couches. You know, I was, I was sitting there giving the speed. They had to trust in me and our staff. And I think that's what every year is different. I think the number one thing is just I'm very fortunate and, and lucky, to be honest, to, to even be a part of that or even go through that whole dissertation about how each year for me was just so different individually. And I know for all of our players, you know, every year is di- I mean, for all of our coaches, every year is different because the players change and the dynamics change. You know, this year is different than, than past years, just in terms of who we are, what we're about, you know, what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses, you know, what are the relationships like internally, you know? And so for us, you know, every year is different as a coach, but as a player, you know, the goals never change and they always stay the same. You know, before I let you go, I do want to ask you about 2021. And recently, of course, you lose Matt Mitchell, but it could have been a lot worse. A hyperextended knee and a bone bruise. You hope to get him back at some point here soon. But in his absence, I thought we saw a lot of growth at Utah State from your team. What do you want to see without Matt Mitchell from this team over the next couple of weeks? To be honest, I, you know, I want them to start to reward themselves for how hard they play defensively on the offensive end of the floor. You know, I think there's times where our team is – is so confident and so uh, excited about getting a stop on defense, but they forget that the reason we got that stop, but we're so excited so we can go down and play offense. I, you know, so I think we need to get better in transition. I think we need to play with a little bit more swagger, confidence, whatever word you want to use. But in it, that's not just individually. That's also as a team. 
Like, you know, I thought that first half of the second game against Utah State, we really underperformed in that first game offensively, not defensively. You know, they shot 37% from the floor and had 18 turnovers in the first game. John, you would have said there's no chance you guys lose with those numbers right. if Utah State plays like that. But we had 17 turnovers and shot 36% from the floor. So, you know, I think in the second game for us to come out, get that 10-point lead, we actually, that swagger and confidence we had in that first 20 minutes, we have to have all the time. We can't, you know, I always tell our guys, we have to learn through winning. You know, bad teams, they learn from every loss. And then they say, oh, let's not do that again. Why don't we learn through winning? And I think with this year's team, that's kind of our next step is let's get the offense better. Let's get a little better defensively in certain areas. But let's learn through winning. Let's not have it take any more losses to learn these mistakes. And I think for me, that's, it, that will show us what we really can be. I think that's where we'll start to get up to our potential is if when we start to really learn through winning. And to be honest, it's, it's really the offensive side of the floor with this team, and it's not X and O's. Uh, and I wish it was, and I know we can do some things to tweak it, but it's really about confidence and, and believing in themselves and, and, you know, and shooting the shot and not missing the moment. I think, John, when you watch our team, I think there's a lot of time we miss the moment. What I mean by that is you might be just a second late to that guy when he's open. Not, not because we're selfish. We just don't see it quick enough. You know, we might, we might be wide open. I'll never forget Utah State game one. Terrell Gomez's defender fell down. Terrell didn't even look at the basket. We can't have those anymore. You know, we, we have to – we can't miss the moment. And, we, and when we're open, we need to shoot it. You know, when a, when a teammate's open, he needs to have the ball. You know, when Nathan Mincer or Joshua Tamias or Aguka Rope or Kashad Johnson catch the ball around the rim, they need to dunk it. They don't need to go in there and lay the ball up. And I think that's one of the things that we're going to continue to grow and improve. But, again, for me, it's, it's the opposite side of the floor where we need to start to really learn through winning as this year goes on. We're looking forward to the second half of the season. Coach, I appreciate the, the time and the trip down memory lane a bit here as well with San Diego State, and uh, thank you for doing it today. No, I appreciate you having me, John. Selection Sunday is March 14th, and San Diego State is once again hoping to hear its name called. If they do return, they'll be among the most experienced teams in the tournament and hoping to complete some unfinished business after last year's 30-2 and season. This has been the debut episode of Left Coast Sports with John Schaefer. Please subscribe and auto-download future episodes on whichever podcast platform you're listening to this podcast on right now. Also, please give me a follow on Twitter, at John Schaefer, that's J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. Also, coming this March to your view, Advance to Indianapolis, a four-week college basketball tournament show that follows local teams and players on their journey to the national championship. Each week, Advance to Indianapolis reviews the previous weekend's rounds and looks ahead to the upcoming weekend. Each show airs four times per week, with 16 total shows airing throughout the tournament. Advance to Indy includes interviews, expert analysis, and insight into the teams and players, along with focused local stories on teams, players, and fans that make the madness of March so much fun. Next week on Left Coast Sports, we'll take a closer look at the UC Irvine Anteaters, the preseason favorite in the Big West Conference. The Anteaters are just two seasons removed from a program record 31 wins in 2019 and the school's first ever win in the NCAA tournament. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up next week right here on Left Coast Sports with John Schaefer. Thank you.